You're listening to KYMN 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and streaming online at KimRadio.net. It's time for the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Folk Financial Services. It's the show that covers America's pastime through the eyes of the people who love it the most. From journalists to broadcasters, and of course, the athletes that play the game, we will have all your bases covered. Here's your host, Colin Landsteiner. Good afternoon. It's time for the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. We have a fantastic lineup for you here tonight. A.J. Reister, host of the Raider Wrap, will be with me to recap a a not-so-great week for the Minnesota Twins. And, of course, preview tonight's game against the L.A. Angels. But before that, I'm super excited to share with you guys a conversation I had earlier this week. The guest, head baseball coach of the University of Minnesota, John Anderson. John and I discussed about this year's squad and the challenges they've faced this season, but also found some time to chat about the baseball memories that have fueled his passion for the game. We're joined here by Coach John Anderson from the University of Minnesota. John, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Coach, this has been kind of a tough year to navigate with the pandemic and a lot of challenges I'm sure have faced you and your players and your staff. Um, in what ways are you proud of your, your staff and players for uh, competing during these historic times? Well, no question. I think, uh, you know, from last March when I think it was the 13th or whatever of March in, in 2020 when the season ended, I don't think any of us uh, expected the, the impact to last as long as it has and as be as significant as it has been. Uh, the disconnect, I think, has been the hardest part once the kids left last spring and, you know, they come back till the fall and you had no really you know, no personal contact with them. The, the, the workouts ended and uh, summer baseball ended. Some, a few of the guys were able to go back out and play in one of, some of the collegiate leagues uh, for part of the summer. And then, uh, you know, got back together in the fall and, and got started in small groups and never could be with the whole team. We we're trying to keep guys separated in case we had a positive test. And then we had some positive tests and got shut down in the fall uh, for two weeks. And by the time we got everybody back together, we had to move indoors. And, and, uh, uh, and then uh, after Thanksgiving, everybody went home. So we didn't really... I think that's been the most significant challenge over the last year is, is just the lack of time with your team and time to do player development and really help them grow and improve in their game. And, and uh, it's I think it's had an impact on our culture. I think it's had an impact on the development of our team. I, I am proud of the kids. They've done what they could do. They came back when they did come back in the fall and then again in January. They left in November. They didn't come back till the middle of January to resume practice. I think for the most part, they were limited in what, what they could do facilities wise you know it's not like you can go outside in december and january and play catch so they had to find spaces and areas where they're allowed to be in there because of the pandemic and and try to find a place to get in the weight room and and uh, try to get themselves in the best shape they they could and i think for the most part what i'm most proud of is when they came back in january they all did more than i thought they were going to be able to do and came back in better shape but uh it's just been the inconsistencies and, and, and from day to day and not knowing what to expect and, and uh, what we're going to be able to do today in terms of trying to help your team improve and get better. So no question it's been a challenge, and I think you got to keep it all in perspective. It is what it is. It's not a normal year, and we surely haven't uh, been able to prepare our team and coach our team and, and, and prepare them for this season in the way we would like at the same time. And also, I think more importantly, is just to disconnect. The guys don't get a chance to spend any time together off the field, come to practice, they remote learning, they go 
apartments, and and uh, and so I, I've been in my career. I've put a great emphasis on developing relationships, creating a culture, getting people connected, getting everybody on the same side of the rope, pulling the same direction. And we just haven't had many of those opportunities. We're not still allowed to have any team meetings uh, of any kind, and so it's uh it's 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 been challenging. It's been different for me, and I've had to adapt and adjust. Our staff has, and I'm proud of what they've done under the circumstances. And and we have to be careful how we evaluate ourselves because this has not been a normal last 12, 14 months. And Coach Anderson, you're right. That chemistry is so important, and the pandemic has presented such a challenge. And another challenge you deal with on a yearly basis, I'm sure, coaching here in Minnesota, is the weather. It's hard to know whether it's going to be hot, raining, snowing. And over the years, what ways have you been able to combat that unpredictability? Well, you have to be flexible and you have to be adaptable. There's no question. Yeah. And tell our kids all the time, if you're going to play baseball in the, in the north and in, in, in this climate, use Minnesota specifically, then you're going to have to learn how to be flexible and adaptable and you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to find ways to do things indoors to help develop up your team and you're going to have to learn how to play in, in crummy conditions and, and how to be able to handle some of those challenges that come with playing in those conditions and I mean even now look out today it's it's with like snow coming down and here we are we're 20 some games into our season and we've had so few practices outdoors um, we've played um, but we haven't had the same level of preparation you know that's what I said most of our practice time in the last year has been indoors and uh, it's hard to develop a team to play the game of baseball when you're not in the proper venue and a baseball venue to do that. And so I think that's slowed our development uh, significantly. Again, this week, we're trying to prepare to play Michigan here this weekend. It looks like we're going to be indoors again. Um, and I, I think it, it's, it's hard on the kids mentally and emotionally as well as you know, you can't seem to get on a consistent development track, being able to go to the field and be on a baseball field and get into a routine. And so you really have to try to help the kids along here and help them understand what we're against here. And wherever we get to practice, we got to try to find a way to make it a meaningful time and a time when we can try to uh, improve. And uh, uh, that's one of the challenges. And I've done this for a long time in this climate, so I understand it. I accept it for what it is, but uh, it does make it a little bit more challenging than if you're at the University of Texas or Florida someplace where the weather's entirely different. And Coach Anderson, let's take a little trip down memory lane here and go back to you as a kid, starting to play baseball, watch baseball. Do you have an early memory where you really knew you loved the game? Yeah, I think so. I, I think first and foremost, I think the, the Minnesota Twins obviously uh, fueled my passion as a young boy. Uh, my dad and my brother, we used to come down to at least one game a year at the old Metropolitan Stadium. You know, I grew up in the Harmon Killebrews and Tony Olivas and the Camila Pasquales and the Zoilo Frasais, all those guys that were my boyhood heroes. You know, I listened to many games on the radio uh, at night in my bedroom and um, that I have memories of. I didn't have the TV broadcast you have today, so the radio was a big way to stay connected. You didn't have the internet and all the other ways to follow your team, so you had to do it differently, and you collected baseball cards, and you had memories and pictures of these people. Um, um, but I, I, I think my, my that's where my passion was fueled. Of, I think initially was following the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I grew up in the northern part of the state and, and on the Iron Range, and so um, you know we weren't near the big city. Um, and uh, so th- that was at a distance, but I, I, I think Honestly, I think that's where my passion was fueled. I remember in the 65 World Series, I remember watching the game in our classroom and rolling the big TV set on the stand and got a chance to because they were afternoon games, and uh, I've never forgotten that. Um, And so I think my my passion, for the most part, I think started there. 
in the summertime, we spent time in our lake home uh, up in northern Minnesota. And it wasn't, I went to Nashua Kiwan High School and we lived in Kiwan. And I didn't spend my summers there. We spent it at the lake, which was, you know, 10 miles, 12 miles from there. And so I grew up in a, I spent my summers in a different school district, the Greenway of Coleraine School District. And they had a summer program. And uh, when I was in uh, grade school and junior high, uh, where they had all these small mining towns that were part of the, the Green Lake of Coleraine School District. And, and uh, we played in our blue jeans and T-shirts, and we had coaches that were high school players. And, and so twice a week, the bus would start on one end of the Iron Range and, and, and in one of the small communities. They'd pick up a group and drop them in the next small town and come and get the next group and go to the other end. And then they'd pick people up on the way back. And um, for me, that was a significant time and and, and my development i absolutely loved it it was like you know it was like you were playing in the major leagues you had a chance to uh, go and play baseball twice a week and i remember the days we had rain i was so disappointed that we couldn't play today and spent many hours up at the old little elementary school in the small town of pengilly throwing the ball against the wall and pretending i was one of the twins pitchers and facing some of the hitters in professional baseball and drew a square on the wall so you know we didn't have television and the internet you had to find ways to entertain yourself sometimes and rode your bike up to the ballpark uh to, for practice and uh, I think that had a big impact on my passion for the game and you had to coach yourself to some degree and you had to find ways to develop your skills you didn't have the organization you have today if you wanted to be a good player you had to you had to find a way to do that and you had to put the work in it I was, wasn't organized I had to find some guys to go up to the ballpark to play catch to make up a game whatever it might be and so um, you had to get creative and we spent a lot of time making up baseball games and we called it playing law baseball where you had a rubber coated baseball baseball and played you know had a short pitcher out there and you just you played the game and, and you made up games if you had less than enough to play the game so it was uh it was uh, that's probably where my passion was fueled and I, I think it was more about I love the game I wanted to try to get as good as I could at playing the game and you didn't have the organization and traveling baseball and organized leagues in the manner you have today you didn't have year-round indoor training facilities or any of that so you had to be internally motivated and you had to find ways to develop your skills and especially I grew up in a place where you know we had a lot of snow and cold so it wasn't like we were playing year-round but um, I, I, I believe that's where a lot of my passion started for the game. We're here with head coach John Anderson for the University of Minnesota baseball team and John you you know went on to become the Gophers head coach and made plenty of more memories there too. Well I've been blessed. I mean I've spent uh, my entire career here at the University of Minnesota. I've been on the campus since the fall in 1974 and I came here wanting to play for the legendary coach Dick Siebert and actually Dick used to travel the chief used to travel around the state of Minnesota and put on these clinics and all these towns actually came to our town when I was in high school and um, you know you, you, everybody grew up wanting to play at the University of Minnesota for Dick Siebert if you love the game of baseball and you know I came here and, and tried to make the team as a walk-on and uh, and uh, I pitched in one game here uh, at a time when we had a tremendous talent level in this program went to the College World Series in 1977, and uh, Paul Molitor was a feature on that team, an All-American, and we had 12 players, I think, drafted from that team in 77, and so there was an incredible amount of talent here when I came in the middle 70s, and, and I had an arm injury, and, you know, the other thing I loved was hockey, and I went to junior college my first year out of high school at Hibbing Community College, because we, we didn't have a high school hockey team, and I was a rink rat growing up, and, and I wanted a chance to try to play organized hockey, and so I went there and played on that team, and actually got to hack it up on the third and fourth round and we lost to the national championship game to a team out of Canton, New York. And and uh, and then I decided to come to the university and follow my passion. I had two high school uh, teammates and friends that were here. Uh, Bob Balf, who was a captain of the 76 
seen and Dave Bovaco, another good friend of mine who came here and, and was in the program. And I followed them down here and I asked the chief, I wrote him a letter and asked him if I could try out for the team. They had walk-on tryouts in the fall and I did and had a decent fall and kept me around and pitched in the spring uh, spring break or, or spring trip uh, that first year and that was the end of it for me and I just thought I'd maybe leave and maybe go somewhere I could play Division two or three hockey and baseball and and I was in Dick Siebert's coaching class and that posted the highest grade ever. He tried to flunk everybody. Um, <laughs> I think my, my being, being in that class, I think, added to my passion for the game. And I was going to get a degree to be a teacher and a coach. And he suggested to me, why don't you stay here and help me be a student coach and a student manager? And, and uh, I need some help. He had arthritis. He was limited physically in what he could do. And so I decided to stay. I had great friends on the team and went to work and had a chance to work with a, a legendary coach. And and, uh, and then George Thomas was a longtime assistant here who helped me a tremendous amount and, and uh, didn't plan to be the baseball coach at the University of Minnesota, I can tell you that. The chief died in 78. I was a graduate assistant that year. And then George Thomas became the head coach, and I got offered an opportunity to be the assistant coach. And here we are. And fate, luck, right place at the right time. You know, Paul Gill was the athletic director when George decided to leave and go into private business. 1981, that summer, Paul Gill offered me the job, and I. And this is not too far from the truth, but I was available and cheap. At the time, we had a ton of financial challenges here and didn't have a lot of money to invest in the baseball program. And Paul Gill was the first All-American ever in this program, and uh, uh, but there was limitations. And so I got a chance, and I was hired part-time. I worked on the outside, and started my career and didn't have a full-time assistant coach and and here we are and I didn't expect that I would be doing this number one and then take over a legendary program I I can tell you honestly it was kind of frightening at the beginning I didn't want to screw up the history and tradition and didn't know how long I'd last and uh, then eventually became a full-time head coach in in the summer of 85 and and uh, here we are after 40 seasons as the head coach and 45 years or so on this campus. It's been an incredible journey and ride. And I have just tremendous memories of being able to coach some outstanding young men and develop lifelong relationships and still have connections for them. And it's got a picture from a group of guys in the early 2000s. A couple of them had their 40th birthday and a whole bunch of the guys that were teammates got together and they sent me a picture of them. And, uh, um, and, and so I think the part that stays with me the most is the wonderful memories and relationships and, and experiences we all went through together. As I said, it's been a blessing and uh, we've won championships and, you know, we were won the super uh, regional here against uh, a strong UCLA team in 18. And there's so many, you know, memories on the field, but I think the part that I'll always carry with me is all the wonderful young men I've had an opportunity to mentor and coach and prepare for the next 50 years of their lives. And, and uh, we still have meaningful relationships today from guys that were on my first team in 1982 and to last year's team. So um, that's that's the special part is the bonds and, 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 and friendships that have been formed and maintained over all those years. Yeah, and Coach Anderson, fast forwarding to this year's team and some of these players, and for them, this is kind of their first full season they're going through here in a couple of years because of the pandemic. And what are some areas you're really happy about in which the team has improved throughout this season? And uh, looking ahead to the Michigan series this weekend, what will be some keys for uh, the team having a successful weekend? First and foremost, I think number one, we're all just extremely happy. We have an opportunity to play again. You know, these kids have not played much. You know, we, we, uh, 2019 um, after that season, we started 2020 and Max, Meyer was the first 
pitcher taken in the draft this last uh, summer and the third third pick in the first round. And I think last year, if we'd have been able to play a full, we had a young team last year, 2020. I think if we'd had Max Meyer be able to pitch for us every Friday, uh, we have a chance to beat anybody in the country and be allow some of these younger players to play a full season, having somebody like that that I think imparted confidence in the rest of the team, allowed these kids to develop, our young pitching staff to develop. I think we'd be in a much different place than we are right now. I think not having the opportunity to uh, to uh, really uh, go through the 2020 season, especially with a talent like Max Meyer that doesn't come along uh, very often, and the impact I think he could have had in helping our, our, our team develop coming off the 18 team that had a tremendous year that we lost so many good quality players from. Um, I, I don't think we've really recovered uh, yet in terms of our development from 18 because of things that have happened over the last few years. And so what I'm proud about is the guys have given us tremendous effort. They're working at their games. The, 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 the player development process never goes as fast as you want it to go. We're not playing non-conference games. We're playing, trying to play 44 conference games in a very compacted schedule, playing four games some weekends, three other weekends, uh, no midweek games, no non-conference games. Like I said, we've had about four practices outside this year um, and so our development has been slowed uh, significantly it hasn't gone anywhere as, as, as quickly as we all had hoped and I didn't probably realize how much time we had and we played uh, played against Michigan State out here not last week and the weekend before uh, at Siebert Field 25 of our 37 players that was the first division one baseball game they played at Siebert Field and in their careers and some are juniors and so yeah. Uh, and when you put things in perspective, I think you have an understanding of the team. The teams in the league right now that are playing the best and, and seem to be the most competitive are teams that have uh, older players. Everybody was allowed to bring their seniors back uh, from 20. And so we have the best teams have a significant number of fourth, fifth, and sixth-year seniors on their team. They were allowed to bring those people back and, and, and honor their age. So some of these schools have rosters of 40 to 45 players, and the normal limit's 35, and they've been able to increase their 11.7 scholarships to cover those seniors that came back for the last year of eligibility. And so what I'm seeing is the teams that have the older players, the more experienced players that have uh, expanded rosters because of the age of their teams was old when this all started versus ours was young. And so we're in an entirely different place than some of these people are. And uh, we're just uh, really trying to improve each and every day. And and, uh, and, and, and our development's been slowed. And, and when you're young and experienced, I played Nebraska earlier in the year, and I look at their lineup, they had six guys that were fourth or fifth or sixth year uh, seniors, and they had some guys with six or 700 at-bats. And that weekend, the most at-bats one of our players had was uh, was Jack Wassel, and he had 348. And so and after that, it drops off significantly to 100 to 150. And so uh, I'm a believer you don't know really what you have, and you don't know somebody's true ability until they get 200 to 250 at-bats at this level in a normal development year. And we didn't have a normal fall practice, and we haven't had a normal development year. So it's hard to know what you have. And so I think the challenge right now is just trying to keep the guys focused on staying off the scoreboard and our record, what's going on here, and try to focus on player development and trying to get better each day. And hopefully as time goes on and, and uh, we continue forward, that uh, I believe that eventually we'll get to a point where we can play the game at a more consistent level in terms of uh, the fundamentals of the game. And, and uh, so we got work to do. we got to get more experience. And you only get that by playing, so you're going to have to go through Falling down and skinning your knees and getting knocked around a little bit here, and uh, hopefully we can maintain some level of confidence so they continue to get up each day and get after it and try to improve and grow and get better and keep it in a, in a healthy perspective. John, thanks for joining us today. 
More than welcome. John Anderson, University of Minnesota head baseball coach. Super thankful for him to take the time to join us this week. When we return here, we're going to have host of the Raider Wrap, A.J. Reister, help us close out the show, and we're going to go over what was kind of a tough week for your Minnesota Twins. You're listening to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Do you know your risk number? At Falk Financial Services, we use the world's first risk alignment platform called Riskalyze, which mathematically pinpoints how much risk investors want, how much they currently have in their portfolio, and how much risk they need to take to reach their goals. To learn more, call 507-645-2993 or visit us at falkfinancial.com. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities offered through First Heartland Capital, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through First Heartland Consultants. Falk Financial Services is not affiliated with First Heartland Capital. Segment two here of the On Deck Sports Show. I am joined by host of the Raider Wrap, AJ Reister. AJ, thanks for coming in here today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Colin. And AJ, let's talk about those Minnesota Twins. It's been kind of a rough week for them. We did get a walk-off win the other day, but other than that, it's not been a lot of highlights here. Rough play from the bullpen. And last night, taking on the LA Angels. And in the sixth inning, you got... Men on second and third, Trout up to the plate. They decide to pitch to him, AJ. He drives in a couple runs, and then in the seventh, they decide to walk him this time, put him on base, and Justin Upton made him pay and really kind of put the game away, putting a grand slam into the stands. And what can we do about this bullpen, AJ? I, I don't know. Just hope that it turns around. I, <laughs> it's early. That's that's the one thing. Yeah, it's definitely early, especially with pitchers not getting as much innings last year I mean we can expect them to be a little bit rusty even with the spring training coming into this season I mean the hitters have been they had a lot of plate appearances last year and then going to spring training a lot of them I think personally had a little bit were able to get some more plate appearances in over spring training because they didn't have as many over the 60 game season and then I mean the pitching staff we Definitely bolstered it in the off season, but it's that there's always stuff to improve on. There's we can improve inwards and through trades and whatever the Twins want to do with the pitching staff. Randy Dobnak got rocked last night against the yeah. Angels, and not to mention, I mean, the Angels are a good team. They've definitely been able to build around Mike Trout, their best player, getting Anthony Rendon, Justin Upton, Shohei Otani. I mean, they've definitely they're not a force to be reckoned with anymore. So, I mean. Randy Dobnak definitely got rocked last night, and this pitching staff is definitely on the up and up. We're, we're very young. We're we're getting, we're we're only improving from here. I was looking at the schedule yesterday, AJ, and one thing I noticed is we don't play a lot of divisional games this month, and that has been something we've kind of feasted on the last couple of years. And I just hope this, you know, start against some of these other teams that maybe we're not used to playing as much doesn't really hinder the twins ability to play down the stretch these easier games they got to find a way to get their confidence back though especially with some of their batters as well polanco sano really struggling right now yeah it's definitely been a little bit tough at the plate as well it's not just been the bullpen that's struggling there we've had our hot hitters nelson cruz as always byron buxton's really been coming around even luisa rise is hitting 304 right now but like you said sano cave polanco um, Sano is hitting 116, Polanco 167, Cave, who has become more of a starter now since Eddie Rosario is in Cleveland. Cave is st- 140. Our hitters need to, our 
are trying to really feast off of each other because we had those we have those hot guys that are trying to really kind of pass around the hits a little bit so that the whole team can start picking up together and start putting putting runs after runs after runs and starting starting that collective hitting instead of just the three guys on top being hot and then the team kind of struggling a little bit but it's just the it's just the idea of collective hitting as a team his name's AJ Reister. My name's Colin Landsteiner. We're kind of talking over this last week of Twins baseball here and previewing the game tonight. And uh, before we go, AJ, give us kind of a look at our pitching matchup tonight. Yeah, we got Matt Shoemaker, who the Twins were able to acquire uh, through free agency over the offseason. He had a pretty good start for, in his first start for the Twins. I'm really looking forward to seeing another start from him because I've been watching him over the last few years. I'm really excited to see what he brings to this bullpen. And then we got Jose Quintana on the other side, a young starter for the Angels who had a rough first start, and uh, I think the Twins hitters are ready to start feasting. Should be a fun one tonight, AJ. Thanks again for joining me here today. Yeah, thank you, Colin, for having me. AJ, host of the Raider Wrap. You can hear it Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Everything Raider Sports. Special thanks to head baseball coach, of the Golden Gophers, John Anderson, for joining me earlier in the show. And again, his name is AJ. My name is Colin. And this was the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. We'll be back on the air next week at noon. But until then, don't go anywhere. Game 2 between the LA Angels and the Minnesota Twins is coming up next right here on KYMN. Help me.